Mark Hassett and Laurel and their family are in uh, Bradenton, Florida. Going to be down there for a week or so. And Mark must have been playing on his cell phone today because he sent me a little uh, thing of uh, good good counsel for husbands and wives and actually anybody. The wife said to the husband, you know, you just never get in agreement with me. And the husband responded and said, well, if I did, then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> I kind I kind of like that. I kind of like that one. We are glad you're here tonight. Well, let's make this confession. The word of God. The word of God is truth. Is truth. If I live the word. If I live the word. I will be blessed. I will be blessed. If I don't. If I don't. I won't. I won't. It's just that simple. It's just that. Tell your neighbor. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Let me ask you a question before we get into the message tonight, and uh, uh, pray for Pastor Stanley. Uh, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk with him today, but we were in communication by email. He's in Kampala, had a few health challenges, and had to leave the Sudan to get the medical treatment that he needs. So, Father, we lift up Pastor Stanley. We thank you. There's no distance in the realm of the Spirit. We speak healing into his body in the name of Jesus. We bind sickness and disease and any infirmity that's trying to come into that body, and we declare it null and void. He is a child of God, healed by the stripes of Jesus. And everybody that agreed said... Amen. Amen. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever did something, and then you just kind of shook your head and you'd say, what was I thinking? Or you've ever heard that expression, what was I thinking? Do you want to know what you were thinking? I'm going to tell you what you were thinking. You were thinking exactly what you did. That's why you did what you did. And tonight, this is probably, honey, I may be wrong. I don't know. You look real pretty tonight, too, by the Thanks. way. But but tonight, I may be wrong, but I think this is the longest title I've ever had for a message. Pretty long. Uh, your yeah. dominant thoughts control your mind, and your mind dictates your actions. Your dominant thoughts control your mind, and your mind dictates your actions. In the very beginning, God created a spirit, soul, body. And then the spirit man we know died in the garden, and the man became a mind in the flesh, and they would war and sometimes do good, sometimes do bad. But everything that we do, everything that we do flows through our mind into an action. Our spirit man receiving from the Holy Spirit shows us God's will, God's thoughts, God's plan, and then we accept it and implement it, but it goes, every part of our body functions based on what our mind tells us to release or to do. And if we get our mind settled, then we can be anything that God wants us to be. But if we don't take care of our mind and do what God said with this mind, then the mind will go out and do whatever it wants to do on its own based on the world system. You know the scripture in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh, so is he. The dominant thoughts that you have will control your life. If you change your thoughts, you can change a life. But if you never change your thoughts, you will always be doing the same thing that you're doing. And I believe this message is, a, is a, an important message. It's probably not a message we haven't heard over the years. But sometimes you really need to get a checkup to determine why am I continually doing what I'm doing when I know I don't want to continually do what I'm doing? And it's always based on the mind and the thoughts that control us. And, you know, your mind, um, 
since it does have control of every part of your being. I mean, truly, if you see a physician, um, you know, I remember back in, in the day when I was really dealing with my mind and it was very troubled. And, uh, and they said that, you know, if your mind thinks on something negative about some part of your body, you can actually cause those things to begin to happen in your body because the mind is so strong. And so if God gave us that strong of mind, he gave it to us for good and not for evil. And so when it says uh, domin- to, to dominate means to rule or control. So a dominant thought is a thought that rules or controls us in a, any given situation. And uh, I don't know about you, but until we grow in the word of God, we tend, once we're saved, to always think the way we thought before. I mean, it's, it's a natural process. This is how I think when this happens. But when we renew our mind to the Word of God, that's when our thoughts become established. In other words, we commit our works to the Lord, it says in Proverbs 16.3. And when we do that, then our thoughts are established. And I don't know about you, but uh, a mind can have a lot of thoughts. I mean random crazy thought have you ever been just going along and thought to yourself why did I you know where'd that thought come from because those are random thoughts where where we begin to meditate that thought is where it becomes a dominant thought and it says um, it exerts supreme control <laughs> a dominant thought exerts supreme control in other words it takes precedent over over what your spirit may be trying to tell you is the right thought. But it, a mind can take control if it, if it dominates is dominated by a thought that is not the word of God. In other words, that's where that mind and the, the spirit and the mind, they begin to war against each other. Well, oftentimes people don't even have a war. They just are so dominated by that thought that the spirit man on the inside is not strong enough to overturn that thought. And I believe that's why the Word of God is so critical to us in our thinking. We've got to replace. Everybody say replace. We've got to replace thoughts. You know, it's not enough to say, I'm just not going to think that. Well, when we try not to think it, we're still thinking about it. Do you get that? (laughs) When you try not to think something, you're still thinking about it. But when you replace it with a thought that the Word of God gives you, then you're meditating on a new thought and you're not thinking about stopping an old thought you're meditating on a new thought which puts us in a position for god to bless us in that place that's a good word honey i'm sure i've used this statistic before i read it in i don't know where i read it now but the average person thinks about 20 to 30,000 thoughts a day. And I know I've shared this before, and I know it always sounds funny, but it's very true. If, if the average person thinks about 20 to 30,000 thoughts a day, then I am below average because I don't think that many thoughts. My wife makes up for what I don't think. Uh, if the average person is 30 and I'm way under, she's got it. She's got the extra. She's up to 50 or 60. It's not the number of thoughts that come 
your way. It's what you entertain. It's like something that comes to your door. Do you entertain it or do you dismiss it quickly like, I don't want that? And if you entertain a thought, then the thought can eventually become a stronghold and it will be dominant in your life. We determine what we want to think. Nobody else. It is your responsibility. God will not think for you, but God wants you to think what he thinks. If I want to know what my wife thinks, normally I already know. But if I want to know, and if I'm slow to find out, she'll tell me. But normally, if I want to find out what my wife thinks, who do I have to ask? I have to ask my wife. And honey, what do you think about this? And she will tell tell me. If she wants to know what I think, she doesn't need to ask anybody else. She needs to ask me what I think. We need to think what God thinks. God thinks about you. Tell your neighbor, God thinks about you. And God has thoughts about you individually. He knows you individually. And therefore, he wants you to know what he thinks about you so that you can think about yourself the way he thinks about you. And it's real simple, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 55. And in Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways you, uh, are your ways my ways. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from the snow, and the snow from heaven, and does not return there, the water of the earth, and, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. In other words, the thoughts he's referring to. So shall my word be. Now, these are his thoughts. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing which I sent it. So, honey, what we need to be about doing is meditating and living what God's will is for our lives and his thoughts. And if if in the morning, if all day long we say, God, what do you think? What do you think? What do you, God is going to tell us because he loves us and he wants us to know what he thinks. So when we do that, then we receive his thoughts instantly in the spirit. Do you know you receive from God faster than you think? A lot of people think, well, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. And they sit around all their life waiting on God. God's already spoke to them. But they haven't entertained what he said because it's so far beyond them. How are they going to pay for it? How are they going to do it? All these questions that come, God's already spoken to us. He's already called us. And so when we receive that thought, I remember in Tulsa, the hardest thing for me to do was understand and accept righteousness. Why? Because I knew what I thought about myself. I had to learn what God thought about me and kick out what I thought about myself. Even though what I thought about myself was based on things that I had done, God had a new thought. And his new thought was that I've, I've healed you of your sin. I've, I've, I've taken your sin. I've, I've forgotten your sin. And I want you to do the same thing. And then when you start meditating that, there is no condemnation. Now, it doesn't mean condemnation doesn't come. It means I don't receive that. That's not who I am any longer. And we meditate for ourselves. Now, I know this might sound a little silly, so you clean it up so everybody will understand it. But you 
are responsible to think for yourself. And if you think for yourself and tell yourself what to think, you don't have to entertain thoughts coming from all over. Does that make sense? In other words, you get up in the morning and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. And you start thinking and saying and meditating all that stuff all day long, you eventually and always will eventually believe what you continually meditate. And therefore, if we're thinking for ourselves based on what God shows us to think, our thoughts will always line up with what God has thought, and we will attract all of that into our life. You will attract the thoughts that are dominant in your mind into your life. And, you know, it says uh, we're new creation in Second Corinthians 5.17. Well, how are you going to be a new creation unless you do new things with your mind? Yeah. Because I don't know about your mind, but my mind will... Uh, remind me of things that I have done, and that doesn't help me be a new creation. It holds me in that old life. And so to be a new creation, we've got to have new thoughts about ourselves. And I find that true with a lot of believers. Uh, In the beginning, they're excited, but then after a little bit, they start thinking about all the things they haven't done right. The enemy is always glad to remind us of all the things we didn't do right. And so instead of being a new creation, they're a saved person with an old mind. And those don't go together. It's just like putting old wine in new wineskins. They just, it won't work. And eventually, you almost become like a split personality. There's this, how, how many of you have ever thought, well, I woke up this morning, I was okay. Tonight, I'm not. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> in the middle of the day, somehow I became that old person again instead of the one God says I am. It's because your thoughts, my thoughts, your thoughts, go focus on what used to be and how we used to be instead of allowing the new thought that God's given us. And I have found this true in all my days of ministry. I cannot think new thoughts while I'm meditating old ones. It won't work. The old ones are stronger because I've already lived them. The new ones I'm having to learn and what I'm learning is not as strong as what I've already done. And so I have to battle that. And I have to make that decision. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Therefore, that goes on and says, and my righteousness is of him and not of myself. So all those thoughts that have to do with self have to be canceled. And I have to get the thoughts of what God said, just like we read scriptures tonight about communion. We have to start thinking like God thinks or remembering what Jesus did and start applying those thoughts to our mind. And they're new, you know, and they don't they don't sometimes think as fast as the old ones. How how many of you know you first thoughts, the old thought, and then you have to conquer it with the new thought. But it's possible because now we have power. Yeah from the Holy Spirit to get a hold of those thoughts and get them going the right way. I remember uh, back when I was really uh, quite a mess and they uh, they suggested I go to Wabash, which is now, um, I don't know what it's called, but it was where you went if you had mind challenges on the River Road. I don't know what they call that now, but um, River something, 
River Bend. Yeah, I was in River Bend. And uh, I wasn't in there, but I went to a class called I'm Okay, You're Okay. Well, I thought none of us are okay. How about that? And this book makes no sense to me. And, you know, it was I, I was getting more confused by the day. Instead of getting okay, I was getting more not okay. And then compared to all the not okay I already had, it was compounding. I didn't, I, I was a church organist, but I wasn't saved. I did not have power to overcome thoughts. It's not I'm okay, you're okay. It's we're all okay with Jesus, and yeah. we don't have Jesus, yeah. we're not okay. That's the book that should be written. Because without Christ, there is no way to capture those thoughts like it says, and cast them down. And so we have to think we are a new creation. You know, my husband once told somebody, you know, that I'm not that guy. He died. And they looked at him like you're standing right there. But he said, but I'm not that guy. That guy died. That's a true statement if you're a believer. That guy died. And, and you may say, well, I got saved and I still made mistakes. Did you repent? Well, then that's under the blood. You've got to go to the new thought, just like we have to do every day, the new way. You know, as, as people go in their thought life, so a nation goes, and as a nation goes, so do people go. The problem that we have in America today is that people have forgotten our roots, and they're not thinking godly thoughts, and we're not pursuing godly methods, and we're not pursuing the will of God that he thinks about this nation. And so we have to examine ourselves, where am I in this whole process? In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, I want to give you a definition here after we read it. But it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. And that is a promise from God for each and every one of us. We know it was for the nation of Israel. But if you read that, the word thoughts means the intentions and the plans and the purposes. So this is what it would read. I, God, know the intention and the plan and the purpose that I have for you. And these thoughts, these things, these plans, this intention that I have is for peace, no evil ever, and to give you the future and the hope that I have for you. When you know that God is thinking about you and wants you to entertain his thoughts, it's so fun to get up in the morning and say, God, what do you think today? You're entertaining the thoughts he's already given you, but then you're entertaining new thoughts that are coming. And a lot of people, their mind is so crammed and jumbled up yeah. with junk, junk, junk. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but most of you probably take a bath every day or a, a, ba a shower or whatever. I, I take a shower. Pam sits in that dirty water, whatever. But, 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 but. But, but, but every day it would be nice if we could stick our head in some kind of a blender and it could just get all the junk in one ear and out the other ear. And, and, and it's like, God, clean this thing out because I'm just driving me crazy. And, and, but that's because you're allowing your mind to think for you. My mind will think for me, doesn't need any help for me, or I can tell my mind what to think. I can get up in the morning and say, God, this is going to be a great day. 
I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. I have the mind of Christ. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. I've been given power and authority from the power of God through the Holy Spirit. This is my day and your day. Now, my mind can be programmed spiritually by God to believe that. Or I can get up in the morning, turn on the news or the weather, and find out that there's a hurricane coming, there's a tornado coming, Greece is crashing, America's crashing, everybody's going to hell in a handbasket, won't you please jump in? Now, I've just summarized the morning news for you. Or you can get up and fellowship with God and get it direct from the Holy Ghost line, and you can see it and believe it. And what happens then is that we, we entertain so many different things. I believe, and I don't have this, I don't have the me- this message yet. I'm, I'm getting bits and pieces of a message. The age of technology, I just don't have the fullness here. But the age of technology has demonic tentacles. And it's infiltrating minds around the world and captivating people. And the other day when I was looking at some of the people who have been the people who have come forth with the brilliance in this age of technology, how many of them are not Christians and how many of them came out of and, and were in the occult and drugs when they developed some of these things that are sweeping the world. Can they be used for the kingdom? Sure. Can they be used by the devil? You better believe it. And anything that is divided, I can take this Bible right here, and I can flip it to anything, and it's good for you. You pull out your cell phone that has an app of the Bible, and you can, you can flip to something that's really good for you, or you can flip to something that you don't want anybody to see. Something not right about the technology that is sweeping the world that can be used for good or evil. I'm off on another tangent yeah. here, so get it back. Well, I do believe that um, we're, we're in an age of technology, so we have to be wise about what we listen to and what we watch. And um, I've told people, don't message me on Facebook because I'm not always on Facebook. Sometimes I look at it, sometimes I don't get to it. And uh, I missed a real serious situation once because somebody messaged me on Facebook. Truly, at that point, I didn't even know you could do that. And when they finally called me, the person was almost in heaven by the time I got the... But, but I hadn't ignored them. I just never saw it. And I think there's so much people are so in their mind consumed all the time. For one thing, we have a phone. So, you know, I don't know about you, but in my car, uh, I can talk on the phone and drive and not ever hold my phone. And, uh, and so you can have your mind on high alert all the time. There are articles now that are coming out that multitasking is really damaging people's brains. Uh, that's not, it used to be if you could multitext, you were an asset. Well, (laughs) I'm a multitasker. Jennifer got it before I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am. I've always been, but I've had to learn in order to do what I'm called to do right now. I cannot cover all those channels. Now I can do it. I can do it because God gave me a gift, and if I have to, I can do it. However, I am not highly functional 
in the arena where I need to be. I'm functional in a whole lot of areas, but I'm not highly effective or hearing and walking in all the fullness I need to, and I'm for sure not walking in anointing because when you're multitasking, you are multitasking, and God is not able to get in. And so the things that God wants me to do, I have to get quiet to hear those. There, if I get too cluttered in my computer up here, I can't hear uh, as, as well. I hear, but I don't hear as well, and I don't always have the full revelation till I get quiet, and I stop that in my brain. So I do believe that the enemy uh, is using uh, all these social media things to divert people from the Word of God. I, I do believe that. I, I see that. I see that in my own life. Uh, I go I go away to pray and to study and don't do it here, and I don't do it at my house because I will do the laundry, sweep the floor, get, see a dirty cabinet, start, you know, all over the place, or I'll get on my phone. I don't answer my phone when I'm doing that anymore. And it dings, so I turn it off so it can't ding me because it dings, you know, when something... And, and I'm curious. <laughs> uh, you probably aren't. But, you know, I'm thinking... Well, it might be important. No, I just push the button that says you can't ding me right now either. And so we have to be, be thinking what God thinks. In order to do that, we have to take, uh, well, we have to take census of what all's in this brain and say what all belongs in here and what doesn't. Now, I hope you get this out of this message. You determine what you think. And what you think, your dominant thoughts, not every thought, thank God, but your dominant thoughts are what you will do. Everybody raise your left hand. Now, take a back deck down. You might think you raise your left hand because I told you to, but you raise your left hand because the thought went to your mind and back to your left hand and caused you to raise it. If you had not thought to do that, it would not have happened. Does that give you an example of what I'm talking about? So you have to be careful what you think. And I want to give you an example of this. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Present your body a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is just your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. There is are very few people in the Bible who accomplished more than King David. He was a shepherd boy. He was described in the Bible as a man who loved God. His people and his followers loved and worshipped and adored him. They followed him wherever he went. He was victorious every single time he went to battle. He was a humble man, but yet a leader. And in one moment's notice... At a time when it says kings go to war, King David decided not to go. We don't know whether it was a good decision or a bad decision based on whatever the Lord was showing him, but he decided not to go. But he happened to be out on his balcony one day looking out one evening, and he saw a lady getting ready to take her bath, Bathsheba. And when he saw Bathsheba, most of you know the rest of the story. They ended up having adultery. He called for her to his place, and, 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 and he had sex with her, and she became pregnant. 
When he looked out and saw her, there was obviously a thought of lust that came to him. And instead of getting rid of the thought, he meditated the thought. Now, this is a man who loved God. He meditated the thought. He ended up calling for her. She came because he was the king. He probably lorded over her. And then when she became pregnant with child, he took one of his best officers in the military and had him murdered in battle. This was a man who a moment before he saw Bathsheba was God's man and God's king and victorious in all that he did, and people adored him. But he took a thought, a wrong thought. He could have got rid of the thought. The fact that he looked out and saw a naked woman and had a thought, that that could happen to anybody, but he should have gotten rid of the thought immediately and moved on. But instead, he let the thought become entertained, and as he entertained the thought, it began to dominate him, and then it began to take control of him. I believe there are many people today who are living, not in necessarily the sexual realm, but in realms of life where the thought of worry or the thought of fear or the thought of a lack of money or the thought of things that are contrary to the will of God, entertain the thought, open your eyes and see it, and then it reinforces the thought. But the thought is not from God, but then they begin to act out the thought and tell them their entire body the thought, and it can affect our immune system, it can affect our mind, it can affect every part of our body just because one single thought was allowed to explode. If David were alive today, he'd be charged with multiple felonies because of what he did. And this was a man after God's own heart. And the only thing that happened was that he took a thought and meditated it that he should have never taken. And I believe that um, it's easy to be in that position in the day we're living in because sin has so intensified that we have to be really on guard with our thought life. Because, uh, you know, uh, when, when I go to the grocery store sometimes, it seems that people are just about half-dressed, you know, and uh, really, it's, 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 it, that is going to cause a problem. And when I see the young girls today, uh, I'm not going to preach in on this. I'm just saying the enemy has so uh, made these things acceptable that now the enemy is just using all those things to divert people. And in ministry, of course, uh, when we were on staff in Tulsa, we were over what was called Victory Fellowship of Ministries. And so that's the uh, ordination body of victory. And and we saw people fall in situations that you would have never understood. How how that happen? I mean, how did how did they get in a, a homosexual relationship uh, when they're pastoring a church every Sunday? How how did these things happen? Just similar to like David. I mean, that's the kind of level you expect. Well, it's because of a thought. Their thoughts. And I had a friend say to me, she was in a church where uh, the, the pastor of that church got in a situation of adultery. The man who came to try to help them w- didn't know it then, but he was in homosexual relationships. And he's coming to help solve this situation, which nobody knew at the time. But she said, I knew he was in trouble. Her pastor was in trouble when when they had their prayer meetings. He had stopped leading. He could no longer pray. Why? Because when he began to pray, the Holy Spirit began to convict him. 
And so he had to back off. He couldn't lead prayer. He could speak and he could give messages, but he couldn't pray because when we're praying, you know, we're praying to the father. Then that conviction began to settle in on him. And he asked her always to lead. He would come. And then he started not coming to the prayer meetings. Why? Because that conviction of that evil. Now, there's always warnings. You know, there were warnings there to, to stop that. However, when we let that thought manifest to that level, uh, sometimes people won't listen. So it's very important that we guard our hearts and guard our minds, it says, with the truth of the word. That's a good word, honey. <clears throat> we had a friend that, gosh, not too long ago had a church and well, I don't want to say where, but it, I think he had like 7,000 people in his church mm-hmm. and lost his whole church through a, an adulterous affair when he had had a thought that he took and he ran with the thought. And uh, we've got to guard our minds continually. The, the, I hope this comes out right. The biggest influence in your life is your mind. Now, all of us will say, no, the biggest influence in my life is Jesus. Well, that should be, and that's what we're bringing forth. But everything you're bringing forth by the Spirit is eventually going to funnel through your mind. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. In other words, with that mind renewed to the things of God and what the Lord is showing you, then they'll flow through you. But your mind ultimately is the dominant influence in your life. And in Philippians chapter 4, uh, a familiar scripture to us in this church, Pam's dad's favorite scripture, he told me many times, if people would just live Philippians chapter 4, they'd be okay. <laughs> but it says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, meaning dunamis power, and if there is anything praiseworthy, then meditate or think these things. And then when you do, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, do them and the God of peace will be with you. He He's given us a, 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 a pattern of how we are to do and live our life by thinking the things that are good and wholesome and pure and that if they're not, then we should not be meditating them because they'll take us down the wrong path. And I, I really believe that it is so important that we constantly surround ourselves with praise and worship and music and, and tapes and things that are going off constantly in our mind. And then we're constantly doing, you know, it's, it's not, it's great to come together with praise and worship corporately, but we can do that anywhere. And we just fill ourselves with the goodness of God. It changes our spiritual atmosphere, but most importantly, it keeps our mind renewed to the things of God and then we become that oracle of, of, of God with that mind settled on the things of God. You know, when we first started this message, I had this thought pop in my mind. How many of you have ever gotten calls um, from like uh, what are the tele, tele, telemarketers? Yeah. And, and it's like, I don't want this. And, uh, and, and what do you want to do? You want to hang up, don't you? 
and uh, and you even call people to get them to block your number. I did that, uh, uh, you know, when I had a, uh, a house phone. Finally, I just called that number, they said, and then, you know, they can't get into you. Well, that's the same thing. You know, it's it, that's what the devil does. He, he calls you up, and he's a telemarketer. Now, if you're a telemarketer, I'm so sorry because I, I have to repent because I have, I have hung up on telemarketers. And I know I always repent. I mean, because they're trying to make money. I know they need money. But I don't need what they have, and they won't stop trying to tell me that I do. And so, you know, I just, but, but I'm telling you, that's how the enemy is. He calls, and he's like a telemarketer, and he's got all, all kinds of ways to try to come at you with what he's trying to get in you, in your mind. And so, you know, we need to block those. We need to get our blocker up, you know, and, and how do we do that? Well, we dial into the Holy Spirit, and we get a block on those calls so that they can't get through to our mind. How do we do that? We have to replace those thoughts with good thoughts. We have to know what we have to not take something that the enemy's trying to dish out. Amen? Amen. For all of you that are telemarketers, I love you. Now, you'll have to deal with her later, but I love <laughs> Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I want to read the scripture, and, and then we'll pray for you. But it says that for 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through, uh, actually goes through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, meaning attentive hearing, listening with compliant submission, assenting and agreeing totally with what that thought is. That is what that means. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And what that means is that we bring every thought that tries to come into our mind and we determine, does this line up with God's thoughts for me? Or does this line up with the enemy or the world or something that I just don't even know where it came from, but I know this, God's not pleased with that thought. Then I get rid of that. And the word obedience means, as I, as I tried to put it in the Scripture there, to be attentive hearing, to listen with compliant submission and agreement. And I thought when I, when I read that definition, Amos 3.3, 3, how can two walk together lest they be in agreement? We have to be in agreement with God. God, what do you think about this? God, what do you think about this? God, what do you think about this? I was with somebody just the other day, and they were telling me all the things that they were going to do. And I said, did God tell you to do those? So, well, I'm not sure. I said, well, you better go back to the drawing board. You better find out what God thinks. Because if God thinks something that he wants you to know, he'll tell you. But if you're not hearing something, he probably isn't in it. Because God will never not tell you what he wants you to know. Never, never, because he loves us, honey. Let's stand to our feet. I believe that we are in a tremendous fight of faith in this world, in this nation. But we just, we just got to more than ever press into the Holy Spirit. 
and that every day is a new day to get up. Benny Hinn, many years ago, wrote this book. I, I occasionally read it. I try to read it about once a year, but Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And the entire book was about getting up in the morning and say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you got for me today? What are we going to do? What do you want me to think? And when you get up like that, you don't allow your mind to... This is not a bad confession. My mind does not click in in the morning. <laughs> but how many of you have a mind that it clicks in quickly in the morning? Can I see your hands? So, so you need to read Good Morning, Holy Spirit. You need to get up and say, Holy Spirit, here I am. Speak to me before my mind clicks in on its own. I want to hear what you have for me. I get up groggy. Sometimes my wife will start talking to me. I say, honey, 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 give me a few minutes. I can't even understand. It's all garbled. It's all garbled. I'm still half asleep. But... but I believe God wants the very best for each and every one of you. And I'm going to let Pam pray for you in just a moment. But I believe one of the most important things you can do for yourself and for the Lord is to submit your mind to his and say, God, I don't want to think separately from you. I want to think and meditate what you want me to think and what you want me to meditate. I want to love people the way you want me to love people. I want to love myself the way you want me to love myself. I want to live my life the way you want me to live my life. Show me. Show me how to think. He loves you so much. He'll show you what to think. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I know my wife prayed earlier. But some of you may have come in after communion, during communion. Maybe you've had a chance to hear some of the word. But I want to ask you this question. Do you know if you died tonight, you would be alive and well in heaven? If you know for sure, then thank God Jesus is in your heart. But if you're here and you're not sure and you say, I don't know, I, I don't know what would happen. Maybe you're like the prodigal child. You know you walked away from God. God loves you, but he's calling you home. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, that's me, I know my life is not right with the Lord. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. All over this church, we're going to take just a moment because the Holy Spirit will be speaking if that's you. Anyone at all, you would say, I know my life is not right. Pray for me. I, I want to know that when I die, I'll go to heaven. Anyone at all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sweetheart, why don't you go ahead and pray for them? We have had to live this message over and over and over again. And there's no doubt in my mind, as I was praying yesterday about this service, I know this message was a message I needed to hear again. And uh, so you go ahead and pray for the people. Father, I thank you that we have to make a, a daily decision to submit our mind to the, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. But right now, let's just all put our hands on our heads and uh, this is your heart. And just repeat this. Father, thank you for this magnificent mind that you have given me. I want to honor you with this mind. Therefore, I'm giving you permission to take over my thoughts. When I think wrong thoughts, show me, quicken me, show me quickly so that I can cast down that thought. I'm going to count on you, Holy Spirit, 
And I thank you, too, that you will replace that thought with your thought, the thought I need to be thinking. I give you my mind and my heart. Help them to function together according to your plan and according to your will. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.